What's up, Ascent? My name is Aisha, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And I just want to say welcome and thank you for joining us online today. For the past few weeks, we've been in a series called Life Together because we believe that's what God has called us to, even in the midst of a pandemic. And y'all, 2020 has been a lot. I know that, you know that. And I would say that it has felt a lot like a roller coaster, a lot of unexpected dips, a lot of low moments, a lot of sharp turns going from one direction to the next. But one of the good things that has come out of 2020 is that I have had a greater intentionality when it comes to being still in God's presence. That has brought about many more moments of reflection for me. I've been able to reflect on my growth from where I am right now and where I was this time last year. I've been able to reflect on my goals, the things that I say I wanna accomplish, the things that God has placed within my heart and what are the steps that I need to take to do those things. But one of the things that I've been reflecting a lot about is actually what I wanna to talk to you all about today. And instead of just telling you what that is, our worship team has a little surprise and they're gonna tell you and they're gonna kick off our service. So check it out. So no one told you life was gonna be this way Your job's a joke, you're broke, your love life's to your way It's like you're always stuck in second gear When it hasn't been your day, your week, your month, or even your year But I'll be there for you when the rain starts to pour And work begin at eight You burned your breakfast so far Things are going great Your mama told you there'd be days like these But she didn't tell you when the world has got You down on your knees that I'll be If you didn't know, that was the theme song from the very iconic show called Friends. And if I'm honest, I don't always pay attention to the lyrics when that song is on. I start, you know, doing my little Carlton dance, I get happy, I start seeing the cast on the screen and I get caught up in how they're having fun and how I wish I could play in a water fountain and get my hair wet, but that's not what we're talking about today. But if you actually take a moment to listen to those lyrics, although the song is uplifting and positive, although if you ever watched an episode of Friends, you see how much they're having fun and it's a very joyous vibe. The song is actually speaking to hard times. The song is actually speaking to low moments. It says when the rain starts to pour, when the weight of everything starts to hit your shoulders, I'll be there for you when it hasn't been your day, your week, your month, your year, I'll be there for you. In essence, what this song is saying, even when you're at a low place, I'll be there for you. 
And that's what I want to dive into today. But before I say anything else, let's worship. Well, friends, like Aisha said, we are so glad that you are tuning in. We're going to start our time by worshiping together. So we invite you to enter in with us. Here we go. We sing, I choose this day to be grateful. I choose this day to be grateful, Lord. I give you praise with an open heart. I wake it up to heaven. And I'm waking up to you. You sing, I'm waking up. Yes, I'm waking up. Spirit and in truth. 
Father, we are so thankful for you and your presence in our life. I love a song like that, Lord, that we get to express how much we are thankful for you. You tell us you'll never leave us nor forsake us, and we claim that promise. And God, uh, our, our thanksgiving, we, we cannot express enough our thanksgiving for you and your love and your presence in our life. So may today's worship, our today's experience that we have with you bring a smile to your face as we honor you in worshiping you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, Ascent. Hey, before Aisha gets going with Life Together as our, we're continuing the series on Life Together, before she gets rolling with that, I just want to give you a couple of quick things that are going on here at Ascent that's super cool. One, we are going to continue to meet the needs that Boulder Valley School District has, has come to us with. They came to us and said, hey, will you guys collect up some hygiene items? And we've done that this summer. We're doing it again. We're going to keep doing it this next week. If you bring some hygiene items by, we'll bring them out to Boulder Valley, the, 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 the the school districts and they'll get them out to the families in need. Um, thermometers, we still want to stock every nurse's, uh, nurse's place in every school with thermometers and so keep bringing thermometers for those guys and then, and then gift cards. We want to be able to bless families with gift cards, continue to bring those in as well. We're going to collect those and everything for Sister Carmen. We're going to continue to do that to bless the socks off of this community, okay? Now, now, here's a super cool thing that's happening, you guys. We have been in contact and we've been in conversation with Ashley Stoltzman, the mayor of, of Louisville, with Chief Hayes, the chief of police, and with the event planner for the city of Louisville, with the Louisville Chamber of Commerce. We've been putting all that together and we have come up with a plan to give kids an alternative to trick-or-treating this, this, this uh, uh, October 31st that, there, that, that would still be as COVID friendly as possible. We've been working with the Boulder Valley, the, 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 um, the, the Boulder County Health Department. We've been working with the, those guys. They've been telling us here all the things that you need to do to be careful with this. And we're, what we're gonna do is we're gonna change our parking lot into just this maze that they get to walk through. And they're gonna see the cars that are decorated. They're gonna see the, the uh, fire trucks that are decorated. Everyone's gonna have gloves and masks on. Every volunteer is gonna be gloved and masked. The candy's gonna be set out in a certain way. People will be coming from two different start spots. We've thought about as many things as we could to make this as safe of a pl place for, for kids to still have a Halloween experience, but that we're really aware of all of the COVID things that we need to be aware of. You guys, we want you guys to participate in this with us. It's such a cool partnership that we're doing with the city. We'd love for you guys to give to decorate a car or to at least give the car for the 31st and we'll decorate it for you. We'd love for you to donate candy because we're going to donate all the candy for all the kids that are going to do this. And we'd, we'd love for you guys to, to volunteer to help map this out and, and to, to be the people like at the zoo that will show you exactly where the kids need to go to make sure that they're, they're staying safe and they're staying away from each other. Kids will be coming at different time periods throughout the day. We're gonna have, they're gonna sign up for a time period to be able to do it. It's gonna be an all day long Halloween opportunity for kids that we're gonna try to keep them as safe as we possibly can, okay? So that's that's what's coming up. An awesome chance for us to partner with the city and bless the city in a, in a different, odd way in the midst of COVID, okay? All right, now we're gonna, we're gonna jump into life together, sharing life together. It's super important. We can't live this thing on our own. So let's, let's listen to Aisha and, and share some life together.
Now, as much as I would love to keep a friend's theme for our time today, I really wrestled with if friendship should be our focus for today. And I wanna ask you all the same question that I've been pondering on for these past few weeks. What is the difference between someone you consider a friend and someone who is part of your community? Now for me, when I think of the word friend, that word I do not use loosely because I put a lot of weight and value on that word friend. But when I think of someone who is part of my community, I think of the transparency that that comes with. I think of the significance of that. And although initially I thought these words, there was a greater variance, what I noticed is that there's actually more overlap, that these words can sometimes be used interchangeably. So then I also started to ask people in my life, hey, what is the difference for you? And then some would tell me, well, someone could be my friend and also part of my community. And then others would say, well, yeah, this person's part of my community, but I also consider them a friend. So y'all, I did what we all do when we need to get to the bottom of something. I went to Google and Google got me right, y'all. Google made it plain and clear that the definition for a friend is simply someone you like someone you have mutual affection with. While community, on the other hand, I'm gonna read that definition for you. Community is a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. And after reading those definitions, friendship felt too generic. While community, on the other hand, it actually encompasses the idea of friendship, someone that you like, someone that you enjoy being around, while also sharing commonalities. And y'all, community is important to us as a church because community is important to the heart of God. God designed us with a need for community. In Genesis 1 and 2, it talks about the goodness of creation. And the first time that God says it is not good is when it comes to man being alone. And think about when you were a kid, or if you have kids right now, how easy it is for kids to just walk up to somebody and ask them to play with them, ask them to be their friend. No one taught them to do that. No one taught them to have that desire for community, desire to be known, desire for fellowship. It's just something that's within us. It's just something that we're born with. Now, if there's anybody in this whole world who didn't need community, who didn't need support, who didn't need other people in their corner, it was Jesus. But Jesus too chose community. After he was baptized, when he started his ministry, he sought out people to follow him. He chose disciples to walk alongside him. And even in those disciples, he chose three to come a little closer. So y'all, if Jesus, King of Kings, had community, what makes us think that we don't need community? And I know we talk about community in the church. We see it in scripture, how powerful it can be. But sometimes we still think of it as a DIY journey, as something you're supposed to do yourself. And when we say God did not call us to do life alone, it's because he didn't. That was not his intention. Community is God's idea. When Jesus is asked, what is the most important commandment? In Matthew 22, this is how he replies. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. 
This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. God wants us to love him with every aspect of our being. God wants us to love our neighbors as ourselves. God wants us to love others well. And if I could take it a bit further, God wants us to make space in our lives. God wants us to make room in our hearts to actually do life together. Having a community of believers to walk alongside you, to support you, to encourage you, to carry you if necessary. Family, what I'm saying today is that godly community is essential. Godly community is essential. There's a pastor I follow, Mike Todd, out in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and this is what he had to say about godly community. He said it's not about having common interests as one another. It's about people who will point you to the interests of Christ. Godly community is people who will point you to the interests of Christ. Godly community, when you start to stray, will point you back to Jesus, will help you get back to center. Godly community knows your name. Godly community knows your story. Godly community knows what's going on in your heart right now. They know what's going on in your life right now. Godly community sees behind the mask. When they ask you, how are you? And you respond, I'm fine, things are good. They can see beneath that. And I even think about my godly community, that when I actually have my mask on and all you see is my eyes, my godly community can look at my eyes and then ask me what's wrong. Because godly community truly sees you. So family, I wanna ask you a question today. Who is your godly community? We will all experience a moment or a season in life when we require support outside of ourselves. An illness happens, loss happens, marital conflict happens, divorce happens, change, unexpected change happens, a pandemic happens. Who is your godly community? Has 2020 brought some low moments in your life like it has mine? Are you still in a low moment right now? I wanna ask you again, who is your godly community? Now, if I could take a moment to talk to my fellow introverts, I want you to know that even though you feel good being alone, you too need godly community. One of the tactics of the enemy is to get us when we're in a place of isolation. He tries to speak lies to us. He tries to distort the way that we perceive things. He tries to rob us of our peace. And if you have no one in your corner to speak God's truth to you, to remind you of God's promises, to remind you that what you're going through is temporary, it is not permanent, you're in a dangerous position. You need godly community. And even if you have a few friends that share those common interests with you, you too need godly community. It's more than just having a few friends that don't drain you. It's more than just having a few friends that have common interests with you. You need friends that have a common faith in Jesus. You need godly community. 
And there's a group of people that were heavy on my heart as I was praying and preparing for this message. I wanna talk to those of you that have been labeled as the strong friend, labeled as the strong one. There's a meme that I've seen a lot um, since this pandemic started back in March. And that meme simply says to check on your strong friend. Because although if you are the strong one, you are trying to be strong for your family right now, you're trying to be strong for your friends, for your siblings, for your coworkers, you too need godly community. Because when you're the strong one, oftentimes people don't check in on you because they think you're good, they think you're strong. And you also need people to encourage you. You also need people to pray for you. You also need people to sharpen you. You need people to do for you what you so freely do for so many people in your life. You too need godly community. And lastly, I wanna to speak to my extroverts. Those of you that love being around people, you're always in the mix. You're always hanging out with people. When you think about the people that you surround yourself with, do these relationships have depth? Are you able to be vulnerable around these people? Are you able to have hard conversations? Can these people support you spiritually? Or are they just for entertainment? Are they just to hang out with? Proverbs 18.24 says this, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And the bond that is developed in godly community feels like family. They're there for you, not just in the high moments, but also in the low moments. And that's what I wanna focus on today. There's a story in Mark 2 that I want us to look at today where we see godly community at work in a powerful way. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When I read this passage, there's a lot of questions that come to mind for me because I like to put myself in the person's shoes that I'm reading about. What were they talking about before they left the house? What was this man's thought process as he was being carried by his community on the mat? Was he resistant or reluctant at all to this idea? Did he even know anything about Jesus? This man was unable to walk. In his godly community, these four men carried him to an environment where Jesus was. Now I'm gonna talk about those four men a little bit later, but right now I wanna focus on the paralyzed man. And maybe you connect with him instantly because you've had an injury or a disease that limits your mobility, that causes you pain, that forces you to lean on others, that forces you to need support from others. And for some of us, it's not being paralyzed that we connect with. It's more so the idea of paralysis, of feeling stuck, of feeling like our circumstances will never change, of feeling stagnant, of feeling like our condition will not change. 
of feeling like we are not going in the direction of God, just feeling stuck. And when we are in a place of paralysis, feelings like hopelessness, loneliness, doubt, fear, and worry can start to loom over us like a dark cloud. There's a worship song that speaks to this in a powerful way. Take a listen. When I walk through deep waters, I know that you will be with me. When I'm standing in the fire, I will not be forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. That is God's promise to us. And when we are in some state of paralysis, that's what we need to remember and hold on to. One of the challenges as we learn to lean on God and even lean on godly community is that we'll have to let go of our desire to do it alone we'll have to let go of our independence. And y'all, I grew up a very independent child. If you've ever seen the movie Matilda, that was Aisha when she was a little kid. I was very independent. And even growing up, I was told to be independent, to not rely on anyone, to not rely on anyone for anything. So naturally, I became very good at doing things by myself and actually not wanting to do things with other people. I had a preference to do it alone, right? But then my world shifts when I'm introduced to Jesus in the Bible. Like there's a whole paradigm shift there. I used to pride myself on being independent. There was a song, me, myself, and I, that's all I got. That's what I found out in the end. That's where I was. And then when I met Jesus, Okay, now I have to learn how to trust in him. Now I have to learn how to lean on him. Now I have to utilize this helper living on the inside of me, the Holy Spirit. And if that wasn't hard enough, 
Now I have to learn how to do life with people beyond the surface. Y'all, I was very private. I remember when my husband Maurice and I were dating, we might've been engaged at this point, and our pastor at the time, he asked us to lead a small group. And I'm pretty sure I didn't tell him no to his face, but I definitely told Maurice when we got home, I am not doing that. One, I did not want strangers in my home. I did not want people that I didn't know in my home. My home was my sacred place, and I didn't wanna do that. I also didn't wanna share vulnerable things with people that I didn't already have trust established with, with people that I didn't know. I didn't want them knowing my business. And Maurice and I just had different perspectives on this, but I was not for it. And I honestly didn't see the value of godly community because I already had solid friends. Like I had some really amazing friends. And it wasn't until I got to a low moment that I realized what I needed, my amazing friends were incapable of giving me. And this man on the mat, y'all, he was in a vulnerable position. He too had to let go of his independence. He had to let go of his desire to do it alone and actually embrace community. The text doesn't say how long he was paralyzed, but what we do know is that he had to depend on others. And y'all, when we are in a situation where we need help, where we are forced to have support from others, that causes a collision with our pride. Will you continue to refuse help and support from others, even though deep down you know you need it? And one of the things that we do as we grow, sometimes we build walls for people so they can't get close to us because we've been disappointed in the past. We've been wounded from people we trusted in the past. But what I see in this story is that this man trusted these men that they were a safe place for him. And before we can embrace godly community, we have to confront our independence. We have to confront our desire to do it alone. We have to confront our pride. And we also have to confront any unhealed wounds from our past. When I look at these four men, I see some qualities that I believe God wants to highlight when it comes to godly community. The first thing I see in this text is that godly community points you to Jesus. There is a different response from godly community, especially when you're in a low place. Godly community is not gonna let you settle there. Godly community is not gonna allow you to get comfortable in your dysfunction. They are not gonna entertain the foolish things that you say. Instead, they're gonna point you to truth and point you to the one who is truth. That's what these friends did for the man lying on the mat. And again, I think about what conversations were they having prior to them arriving here? If you read Mark 1, you'll learn that Jesus was healing many other people. He healed a woman who had a high fever. He healed a man from leprosy. And the word began to spread about Jesus. I wonder if these four friends, when they were at this guy's house, if they said, hey, we heard about a man named Jesus who has the power to heal and we wanna bring you to him. Godly community will point you to Jesus. The next thing that I see godly community will do is godly community will either carry you to Jesus 
or will carry it to Jesus. Several weeks ago, Bill and I were talking about the direction that we were gonna go for this series. And we said there potentially could be some overlap in that. And as I watched Bill's message last week, I smiled because yes, there is overlap and although I feel this message can stand by itself, I feel like it is a part two. I feel like it builds upon what Bill was talking about. When something is repeated and emphasized in scripture, it's because God wants to get our attention. It's because God is trying to make a point. It's because God is trying to make something stick for us. And family, that's what I believe God is trying to do right now when it comes to godly community and how we show up for one another in this season. So because of that, I am going to retweet the verse that Bill shared last week. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. It's all about coming alongside each other to support each other. It's about feeling the freedom to say, I can't do it on my own and I need help. In this instance, these men literally carried the burden of this man. They carried the weight of his legs that were not functioning properly. I also think they carried the weight of his hopelessness to the one who is hope, to the one who offers hope. We can carry each other's burdens by doing tangible things like starting a meal train for somebody, like taking them to a doctor's appointment, like providing care, like opening our home to someone, like being a blessing to someone financially. And y'all, sometimes God wants to use us to answer someone's prayer. Sometimes God wants to use us to help lighten the load for someone else. And other times we can carry those burdens spiritually. We can offer an ear to someone for them to share, for them to just voice where they are. And then based on what we've heard, we can bring that to God in prayer. We can intentionally cover that person in prayer. We can be intentional about encouraging that person. Godly community carries each other's burdens. Another thing I see in this text is that godly community is not concerned with convenience. Have you ever had one of those relationships that are built on convenience, that are built on the fact that you work together, that are built on the fact that you live five minutes away from each other, that are built on the fact that you serve with one another. And then once that convenience is gone, so is the relationship. And what I see in this text is a community that was okay with being inconvenienced. Y'all, they had to carry him from point A to point B and I did a arm workout the other day, no weights, and my hands were hurting, five minutes. Can you imagine the discomfort carrying somebody for several miles on a mat? You got a little itch on your nose, you can't even do that because you're carrying somebody, right? It was inconvenient for them to carry this man. It was inconvenient for them to show up on the scene and not be able to get their friend to Jesus because it was too crowded. And what they could have done is like, well, we tried, sorry, there's no way we can get you to Jesus. 
Instead, they remove that barrier. Again, they're okay with being inconvenienced. They're gonna remove what's getting in the way between you and Jesus. They inconvenience themselves again by climbing up the roof, climbing up the roof with this man, digging a hole to lower him right in front of Jesus. Y'all, for most people, when it's inconvenient, that's it. They're out. They're not going to do it. But godly community shows up anyway. Their commitment to you surpasses the easy way out that inconvenience provides. And before I share the last thing that I see in this text, I have to read verse five to you. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Did y'all catch that? Jesus saw their faith, and because of that, he said, your sins are forgiven. Jesus saw their faith, and because of that, this man's sins were forgiven. The last thing that I want you all to know about godly community is that godly community believes God is able. Godly community has faith in what God can do for you. Jesus was moved and responded to the faith, not of the man on the mat, but of the friends. They brought this man to Jesus, seeking physical healing, but Jesus gave them spiritual healing first. Jesus sees what's going on beneath the surface. The scripture says that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Jesus looked at the condition of his heart and said, son, your sins are forgiven. And of course, the religious leaders have an issue with what Jesus has said. So he discerns their thoughts and he lets them know that the son of man does have authority to forgive sins. And to prove that to you, he tells the man to pick up his mat and walk. And this man jumps up, he walks out of there, and the crowd is amazed. Y'all, the crowd goes wild. The one who was carried in walked out with a testimony about the power of community and how God transformed his life. And family, there's a story of godly community right here in our church that I wanna share with you. My name is Mal, and I've been in a in two core groups for a year each. Without my core groups, it would be it would have been horrible. I have RA neuropathy and vasculitis, and so my body is attacking itself. My doctors and I decided to go on chemo to kind of reset my system. And in February, I found out that I injured my ankle really bad and needed to have surgery. And then COVID hit. And with the chemo, I was exhausted. Not having that support system, not having those people around, it would have been, I would have been so lonely. And I struggle with depression. And so that would have put me down um, one of the really bad spirals. They've been coming side by side. They've been praying with me. They um, just lifted me up. I was talking to a friend and he's like, they've really been a lifeline for you, haven't they? And I was like, yeah, that's a really good way to put it. And um, 
What I love about our groups is we can be raw. We don't have to put on the pretty face and yeah, everything's good. We get to talk about life. We get to come alongside each other with life. We get to um, support each other. And so it's kind of like a family. Um, my faith has grown so much because it's not just to get together and, you know, it's let's get into the Word, let's study what Jesus has to say, what does Jesus have to say about this. My faith has definitely grown just being a part of that community. God gave me the word joy at the beginning of the um, year. And so one of the things that He has taught me throughout this whole thing is how to have joy in the hardest of circumstances, how to find joy in just a sunrise. And um, my groups have helped me when I can't see that joy, they've helped me to see that joy. Um, another thing that I've learned is God, when there is no way and when I can't see a way, that's where God comes up and shows up. Even though um, we don't see God working, it doesn't mean that he's not working for the good of his children. If he answers all of your prayers right away, then where's the faith? Through the groups, that has just encouraged me and it has um, just strengthened that of, you know, wait. I think what I'd want people to know is this is like a safe, safe spot. Jesus never meant us to do life alone. And with COVID, it's hard to do church with anybody. But with core groups, you have that accountability. You have that place where it's safe, where you can talk about things, where you can basically just lay it all on the table and won't be judged, won't be um, scrutinized for it. And a remembrance of you are not doing this alone. You know, we are here. We will surround you. We will love you. We will walk you through this no matter what it is. I'm so glad Mel shared her story about how godly community has impacted her and how that godly community came through core groups. I continue to hear stories about people supporting one another and coming alongside one another in core groups, people carrying one another's burdens, people pointing one another to Jesus. And I wonder if the godly community that you've been searching for, the godly community that you've been desiring, I wonder if that can come from core groups. And maybe you're thinking, ah, oh, it's too late for me. I missed my window. I didn't sign up on October 4th. I want you to know that even if you choose to sign up for a group today, they will embrace you with open arms. Family, God sends people to support us, to come alongside us, to do life together. Moses had Aaron, Mary had Elizabeth, Joshua had Caleb. Who do you have? Who is your godly community? And before I pray, I want to say three quick things. One, I want you to evaluate. Do you have godly community? Not just in theory, but can you actually name who those people are in your life? The second thing, if you said yes, I want you to cultivate those relationships. I want you to think of them as a gift. I want you to ask yourself, are those relationships reciprocal? 
Is there a part of me that's still trying to do it alone, that's still trying to do it by myself and not lean on the community that God has given me for such a time as this? I also wanna challenge those of you who feel like you already have your godly community, you know who those people are, you are cultivating those relationships. I also want you to be thinking of how you can help other people find godly community, how you can be a bridge and point other people to other people that they may have connection with and that they can walk with. And the last thing, for those of you that may have answered that question with a no, you don't have godly community, I want you to seek it out. I want you to start praying and asking God to send those relationships your way. Please do not discount the power of prayer because I found myself here several years ago when I realized that my community was only in California and I didn't have community here. And again, it was because I had a wall up. It was some things that I had to work through. But I started to pray, God, if you could just send me one person that I could really be vulnerable with, that I can talk about those hard things. And y'all, God, in typical fashion, he outdid himself. He did exceedingly abundantly far above all that I can ask, imagine, or think. And he provided me with an abundance of people that I can do life with. I also want you to take a risk. Say yes to a core group. Say yes to being in an environment where you can build those type of relationships. Godly community is essential. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this message. I thank you for speaking to each of us in such an individual way. God, there is value in godly community. And I ask that you would help us to find it, that you would help us to cultivate it, and that you would help us to be a bridge and help others have that godly community. Lord, if there's any part of us that is trying to do it alone, that is in isolation right now, God, I pray that you would nudge our hearts to reach out to you first and foremost, but to also seek community, to remember, God, that you did not call us to do life alone. And I thank you for the gift of community. In Jesus' name, amen. People come together, strangers, neighbors, Blood is one Children of generations Of every nation Of kingdoms come Don't let your heart be troubled Hold your head up I Don't fear evil Fix your eyes on
Let the praise go up as the walls come down. All creation, everything with breath, repeat the sound. All his children, clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. Come on, swing wide, swing wide. Oh, you heaven, let the praise go. All right, folks, if you are not getting the point that Aisha was given to us, that we've given to you over the last couple of weeks, man, it is we have got to share life together. God never intended for us to be on this road alone. He wants us to share this life together. Man, uh, one quick, really cool piece of news. We've been talking about core groups and the opportunities for you guys to get into core groups. Those are still there for you if you want to get into one. So far, over 800 people in our church are committing to being a part of a core group. We have over 50 groups going. I mean, it is super cool watching people sharing life together. Man, that's what we want for you. So look for ways to do that. Man, get to know your neighbor. Call your mom up for the first time in a long time. Whatever it takes for you to connect and to share life together, go for it. That's what we're hoping for you guys right now, all right? Hey, have an awesome week. We love you guys. We miss you guys. We'll see you next Sunday. Take care.